Good morning, Victory Life Church. Would you stand with us? Welcome. Come on in. You are welcome in this place. So I love that after last week celebrating Easter, we know what he did. We know that he's alive and we know that because of his death and resurrection for us, that he has given us power over the grave. The same power that conquered the grave lives in me. So we're going to rejoice this morning and praise his name.
church, this is a newer song this morning. I might have talked about it a couple weeks ago. But uh, the song is called Fountains. The chorus says that I've tasted life and nothing satisfies like you do. The fount that won't run dry, nothing satisfies. That all my fountains are in you and all my hope is built on your love. With every breath I live for you, Lord. That's our prayer this morning, God, that we begin to recognize more and more that you are enough for us, that your love will satisfy every need that we have. Every desire in our heart is ultimately satisfied by you, God, and only you. Sing this with me, church. I will never forget moment I met you, the moment you called my name, you pulled me out of the dark, you gave me a promise to never thirst again, all that I've ever wanted, my heart
satisfaction comes from you. And that every way that we find ourselves lacking, every way in which we choose not to satisfy ourselves, 
that surrender to say you will be the only thing that completely satisfies us, Lord. That you are the fountain of blessing for us, Lord. That all of our hope is built on your love for us, Lord. That love that sent Jesus. That love that shook the universe to get back to us. That is what our hope is built on gospel of Jesus Christ and his love for us. We just bless you, Lord. Church, we're going to enter into our, our time of giving now. We've got our buckets up here at the front. You can give online. You can give through the app, the green buckets at the back doors. And just continue your worship. when you're punching the buttons on your phone or filling your checkout or bringing your gift forward, that's an extension of your worship. And when we say all our hope is in you with every breath I live for you, that's an extension. That, that faith of sowing that seed, that obedience to be generous is a full extension of your worship. God, bless these gifts that are brought forward. Bless these people for stepping out in obedience to be generous like Jesus. God, multiply it throughout our community. Multiply this blessing through our body. Continue to provide us with ways to be faithful to you, Lord to be the example of the hands and feet of Jesus for our community, God. In Jesus' name.
Okay, all right, can you hear me now? All right, okay, so wow. All right, well, God stopped me because everything that we just sang, you are the medicine. Um, it says, the only cure, redeeming what was lost. You are the truest friend, staying with me through the night when I was at my end, comforting my heart till it was light again. He is the one who is light. He is the one who gives hope when there is none. And friends, that is what he did in my life 10 years ago after I had my sweet little girl the enemy came to try to steal that hope from me. And I was at my end. I have a very vivid picture of sitting in the night. I couldn't sleep at that point anymore. And the darkness was all around me. I didn't want to be here anymore. I thought that ending my life was the only way that I could have peace again. But Jesus... <laughs> He showed me sometime later, he was right there with me, just like we just sang, just like I sang, couldn't hear me, but I was singing it. And he is so faithful. I don't know why that's never hit me with these words before. So I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're interceding on another's behalf for, but hold on to the hope of Jesus because he is faithful. He is the truest friend. And he wants us to love each other how he loved. So if you don't have that in your life, if you don't know, he is that true friend. He is. And I pray that we as the body would be that for each other, that we would be Jesus to each other, no matter what we walk through that we would know that we are rooted in Him as our true friend and His love for us in that hope that He gives us. And all that He is is more than enough for whatever we need, for whatever you need, whatever you're walking through, whatever you might walk through, the valley of the shadow of death, but you're not staying there. So He is the everlasting Father, the Prince,
week I was listening to something and um, they were talking about how we define truth in our modern culture versus how maybe truth would have been used in biblical times. And so one of the things that was said is that something that was true, if you thought of an arrow, an arrow, this stick is not an arrow, but when I roll this stick, it rolls really straight. And if you've ever seen something roll that's bent, it's not going to roll like that, right? And so, but if this is in an, a bow, and I point this arrow towards the exit sign, if the arrow is true, the arrow will hit its mark. And it will give me the result that I was looking for. And one of the things that happens in these songs that we're singing is they talk a lot about Jesus being our fountain and our source like nothing satisfies but Jesus the interesting thing is is like we just tend to sprinkle him on a lot of things in our lives and um, we we go after a lot of other things and uh, you know there was a long time in my life where I watched things online commonly that were very inappropriate I don't know how many kids are in the room so that's what we'll leave it at but that, that addicted me for a long, long time in my life. But what's interesting is if I think about when I did that, where I pointed that desire, it actually didn't land where I wanted it to land. Like I, I, I was looking for depth and joy and peace and happiness, but unfortunately watching things online that you shouldn't watch online don't hit that mark. They fly off into abyss. And maybe, maybe for you it's, maybe it's food or maybe for you it's, power or maybe for you it's acceptance but you but a lot of us point our desires somewhere with an arrow that's crooked and it flies off in the wrong direction and so when Jesus says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free that thing that we think is true it's not that's not just a moral decision that's what we think of it as we think of if it's true it's morally correct or morally incorrect that's not the question the question is when you point your desires in your life day by day, Monday through Sunday, when you point those desires where you're pointing them, are they landing where you want? Which is your, your deepest desire is to be known and to be loved and to be at peace and to have your will not wrestling and struggling with anxiety and depression and loneliness and fear. But if you're pointing your desire towards something that's not true, you won't hit it. So I just want us to think about that this morning and I'm going to pass this off to Dale, but just thinking about where are your desires currently pointed? And if you don't, I would just ask you to grade yourself, like not grade yourself morally like I'm a bad person, right? Because that's shame. 
You're not a bad person. You might be doing bad things, and that's kind of conviction, but you're not a bad person. You may make mistakes, but you are not a mistake. Shame is I'm a mistake. God's conviction is you're making mistakes, and your arrow is not flying where you want it. And so let's assess that this morning today in this house and figure out where we need to realign things. Father, we just pray, we pray right now that that word is received. That is a good word that needs to pierce our heart this morning. Juliet's testimony needs to pierce our heart. The songs that we sang need to pierce our heart this morning. Father, I just ask you in the name of Jesus that you would uh, bless the rest of our time. Uh, You always do, and and I thank you that you will. I thank you that you hear our prayers, that you are sitting beside each person here this morning, that you are hearing their prayers, that you love them. Y'all can be seated if you want to. You guys can come down or you can keep playing, y'all. Do whatever you want. Our pastor, Steve, I'll, I'll uh, make an announcement. He's uh, he's uh, doing a, a dual role this morning. He is ministering, but he's ministering to his mother. Uh, she had some health issues and, and things that happened, and, and he did what a good son would do. He jumped in his vehicle and took off to help his mother. So he is a big, great example. Now, he's also doing what a good pastor does. So uh, he's going and minister to his mother. So uh, I speak a double blessing on him. How about that? Amen. Thank you all so much for being here. You don't know how important it is for, uh, for them and uh, for all of us, to, for y'all to be here in the present. And uh, boy, if you can't be here, join us online. But it's yeah, so much better when you're present. And uh, it, if we have a few visitors here this morning. Um, Pastor Lee is going to do the message. Okay, so I'm not doing the message. Amen to that. So y'all don't have to go order lunch and bring it before I get started. Okay, but I am doing the announcements and I'll make them sweet and short. Thank you once again for being here. And Pastor Lee will, he will encourage you and he will give you a word that you can take with you when you leave. Now, first announcement, uh, kids camp. So sign up is going on right now. And we talk a little bit about our flow page. And uh, if anybody needs any help with the flow page, Pam Pulaski is an expert at it. She can get you there one time. And after that, it's just same thing. Every time you need it, you can go there. Second thing is last week uh, we did Easter, which was a lot of fun outdoors. And then uh, Jeff Briner created an indoor NFC hunt. So when you walk through the double doors, you see these uh, stickers on the wall. I saw Donnie trying to figure it out last week, and he was puzzled. I practiced a little bit, so I, and I'm still puzzled. But, um, and, and so what you do with that... Uh, is you hold your phone up to it uh, and when you do it'll give you a notification at the top and you click on that and there'll be a scripture verse there 
And so the goal there, uh, there's prizes, y'all. There's good stuff to win. So I wouldn't be telling you that if there wasn't, okay? So I'm encouraging you to win. Um, But you will follow that verse. See if you can define where that verse is in the Bible. Then you'll find the person that read it, and you'll read it to them, and you get the prize. And that's kind of fun. And our last announcement uh, will be fifth Sunday coming up real soon. Next Sunday after church, we're going to reset up the sanctuary. So if anybody can stay and help, that'd be awesome. Um, But on the following Sunday, so it's going to be kind of fun. We're going to have tables in here during church on the fifth Sunday. All right. So everybody, when you walk in, you'll don't don't be surprised if things are different. Okay. Because sometimes difference is good. Right. That's why they sent me up here today. So this is good so far, right? If this is good to say amen. Amen. Okay. Now I can tell you the menu for after um, Family Sunday, we are going to have a cookout. Uh, If the weather cooperates, we're going to do grilled hamburgers, grilled hot dog, probably be some for the... For the guys, there might be a bratwurst or two or a Polish. Or if you got something favorite, put it in your little ice chest and bring it to church. We'll throw it on there and cook it for you. And and all the fixings that go with that, okay, y'all? We've done this multiple times. It's a great time, and food usually turns out good. But more than anything, it gives us a time to spend together. And you might meet somebody you hadn't met, or you might get to tell somebody something that's on your heart or you may just enjoy your time so um, if I hadn't left anything out uh, I have one last announcement then we're going to make a real quick uh, dash instead of a long break short break get some or some coffee some day old donuts that's another story y'all okay there's day old donuts out there and um, and then we'll have church okay um the one thing I wanted to tell you was everybody saw our new fence that we put up. That's going to be our kids' playground. Okay, so in the mission goal of that, we have some playground equipment coming. So this is not the end. I just don't want anybody to think that, oh, that's all there is. But in the meantime, we are also putting it out there for anybody who has any playground equipment or like the little types slides and the little tight dinosaurs and the little tight anything that you would want the littles to go play on if you know of anybody that says hey we're done with this our kids are grown or if you see it or if you just feel like going and being a blessing and and buying a whole pickup load I'll I'll go get it for you okay God will bring things across your path if you ask this is a not a need it's a want okay and, and my kids tell me all the time what they want. My grandkids tell me all the time what they want. And if our Father in heaven said this, if, if we, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more, what does God want for you today that you're not asking for? I think that's all. Let's go get some coffee and donuts. All right. Is everybody awake this morning? Yes. 
It's a really good thing because they have me live without, a, without any kind of wire. I'll walk right up to you. First Timothy chapter 3, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, for your word and the power of that word to change us. Lord, we offer ourselves to you today, Lord God. We open up our hearts to receive what you have for us individually and what you have for us as a church, Father God. And we just thank you for it and praise you for it. And everybody said, Amen. First Timothy chapter 3, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be a blameless, the husband of one wife. I don't know why he had to say that. I have a hard enough time keeping one happy. I can't imagine having two. The husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Every time I've ever heard this particular passage taught, there is this, he has to have his children in subjection with all gravity, and it's just said in such a way that your kids are supposed to jump when you say jump and ask how high on the way up. And if that's the case, God doesn't even qualify. Oh, thank you for laughing. You're going to get whatever you put into this message. I'm going to preach like a house of fire. Whether you like it or not, it's up to you, but I appreciate you laughing. God doesn't even qualify if that's what it means. Are we not God's children? Do we move every time God says move? Do we do every time God says do? No. So even God doesn't qualify the way most people preach this. I've been told you guys have had several messages on family and family legacy and the importance of family. And man, there's few things as important to the where are we're going as a country as the family. As goes the family, so goes the church. And as goes the church, so goes the world. And so it's really important that we have messages on family. And I, when I read this, it causes me to ask myself, what does it mean for a man to rule his own house well? Anybody can rule. Hitler could rule. He just didn't rule well. So what does it mean when God says, if a guy desires to be a leader... If you want to be a leader in your home, if you want to be a leader in the church, if you want to be a leader in your business, if you want to be a leader in your community, he says, these are some things you need to look at. Now, these aren't disqualifications. There are things we should be aiming for. These are things we should be looking towards. And I want to know what it's like to rule my house well. And he actually gives us, within the passage, a kind of definition for ruling your house well He says, because how can a man take care of the church of the Lord if he can't take care of his own home? So to rule well means to take care of those in your possession, those in your sphere of influence. Anybody can rule like a dictator. Anybody can rule like a sergeant and give out orders. 
My wife will tell you if it was up to me, I probably would have been a drill sergeant as a, as a husband. I mean, it's real easy to get them kids up at five in the morning. <laughs> Drop down. Give me 50. I want to hear you shout them out. I can't hear you. What we have here is a failure to communicate. I can just, I can hear me. My wife, on the other hand, would let the kids run around the house with daggers and knives and chasing each other because she's just full of mercy. So we balance each other out really, really well. I want to be a good husband. I want to rule my house well. And according to the scriptures, part of the way I do that is to take care of those people who are in my in my home. And then having my children in submission, subjection, with all gravity. I used to read that and think that was about the children being submissive with all gravity. And it is about our children being submissive. But the with gravity is about the husband, the father, that he would get his children to submit out of reverence and respect and integrity. You know, you can get your kids to do by threatening them. You can do all kinds of things to make them do. But what he was saying is his children submit and he gets them to do that out of reverence, out of respect. His heart is right. He doesn't make them and beat them do it. He talks them into it and works through them in it. Um, I, I see the calf at a Newgate look. Have, have you, ever, you ever seen Dennis the Menace? Do you ever see it in the newspaper? The cartoon, one of my favorite cartoons about Dennis the Menace is Dennis's father is sitting in the doorway and his, Dennis is there and there's a soccer ball. And he tells Dennis, pick up the soccer ball and come inside. And he turns. And Dennis takes off. And he grabs the ball. He runs across the street, over the neighbor's fence, swings in the neighbor's swing, through the next neighbor's fence, kicks the ball. Next favorite, he just does this great big circle and he ends up right back here and the ball is on the ground. And his dad says to him, pick up the ball and come inside. That's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ at large. Jonah, I want you to go, right? How many of us have been to whale seminar? And yet God works with us. God deals with our decision-making. Sometimes we actually obey the Lord. Sometimes we do not. But he continues to say, pick up the ball. Bring it inside. That's what it is to rule your house well. To take care of you people in your house. He says, because if he can't take care of his house, how will he take care in the church? Now, write this down in your notes. Home is boot camp for ministry. That's what he said. Everything you need to know about ministry, you will learn, or at least you're supposed to learn, let me put it that way, in your home. How about about this? Like the purpose of authority. You know, you don't learn the purpose of authority when you step into ministry. You learn authority in your home. Can I get an amen from the man? We're supposed to learn what authority is used for and how to use the authority God gave us. 2 Corinthians 10.8 For the authority that God gave us is for the use of edification 
and not your destruction. Authority was given to us, whether it's male or female, whatever authority God has given you, he has given you to build people up, not to tear people down. We were encouraged by the Spirit of God when we got authority to build up our spouses, to build up our children. And yet most men have a hard time understanding that that authority is not for them because they're big and stronger and can make happen, but to actually build up the individuals in their care. We're supposed to learn how to submit one to another in the fear of the Lord. Thank you, men, for your thunderous applause. That's usually how that goes. Because, see, we love the scripture. Wives, submit unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Submit, woman. We're crazy. Write it down. Write it down. People are crazy. We'd be crazy. Yes, that's what it says. But just before it talks about any kind of submission, it says we're to submit one to another in the fear of the Lord. Can I tell you, sometimes your wives are right and you need to submit. Like when she tells you to turn left. Okay. Men do not take directions very well. We're supposed to learn in the home to submit one to another. There are things my wife is better at than I am. It would be ludicrous for me to take the head of that and rule that and do that when she's better at it. I'm on, man, your check is in the mail, right? Everybody else, <laughs> we're supposed to learn in our home because in the ministry, no matter how high up, quote, quote, you go in the ministry, you still have to submit one to another. We have to submit one to another's gifts, one to another's strengths. I can't play the drum. I watch you play the drum and it's like, cool, man. I'm like offbeat and... We submit to one, one to another. Yes, the greater submission comes to the wife, but that's because the man's going to be held responsible. It doesn't make him better. It just means when God comes to deal with the home, he's going to deal with the husband first. Yeah. That's what it means to be the head of your household. It means you've got a great big bullseye right here that the enemy's trying to take you out. That's what it means. We learn how to serve in our homes. You got children, you learn how to serve. You know, you got married and you thought, man, this is great. You know what marriage is? Marriage is a slow death. That's what marriage is. Marriage is a slow death to self. Are you hearing me? I didn't even realize how selfish I could be till I got married. I didn't realize how selfish we could be till we had kids. And then it's like, they're demanding. They like, they need you 24-7. You learn how to serve in your home. And you learn how to do it with a smile. Yeah. I'm preaching good now. I know it. I can just feel it. You learn... In your home, how to make decisions that almost everyone is against unless it benefits them. Now, that's called children, by the way. 
You know, you never ask your kids where they want to eat unless you want to eat in McDonald's. Don't ever ask your kids where they want to eat. Tell them where you're going to eat. It's a whole lot easier. <laughs> you know, when your home is where you make decisions and nobody likes them. And you have to learn how to deal with people who don't like your decisions. That's called children. That's called teenagers. That's called spouse. That's called humans. You learn all these things. He says, how can he take care of the church if he can't take care of his own home? What he's saying is in our home was where we learn the things we need to function in the ministry. To be a benefit to others. To help others make it through. So I have a question. Now, for those of you that don't know me, I apologize. I'm not Steve. Please come back and hear Steve. I'm, I come and geared to challenge. It just comes with me. I love Joel Olstein. I wished I was him. Just encourage. I mean, I listen to that guy. I'm ready to go take the world on, man. He's such a great encourager. I'm like a bull in a china cabinet. I, I apologize. I feel the need to challenge. So here's what I felt the Lord sharing with me. Our homes are vitally important to our well-being and their well-being and the world's well-being. We need to take this seriously. But I have a question for you, and I don't want anybody to answer I'll answer it. It works better that way. You've had lots of messages on family. Last time I was here, there was a message on even finances and sowing and reaping and how God wants to bless your finances. You've had great messages. My question is this. What have you changed? What have you done differently because of those messages? Listen. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but the generations coming up are crazier than we are. I get these young people. I'm passing the baton to young people who they love Jesus with all of their heart. And they keep sending me this thing. Pastor, you need to watch this podcast. Pastor, you need to watch this podcast. They're just all wound up about this podcast thing. You need to watch it. And for a while, I did. And then I started asking, what have you changed since watching this podcast? You see, Jacob did a message that he actually stole from me. You can tell him that next time you see him. (laughs) About inspiration, revelation, integration, and transformation. He changed the words, but the truth is the same. Information will never get you where you want to go. Information is important, but information alone will puff you up. You'll think you're all that because of what you know. Information is not enough. And inspiration, which is what the podcasts generally are. Now listen, please hear my heart. I do not have time for little memes and podcasts of a cat waving. If that's your idea of entertainment, please get a life, would you please? I do not have time for that. And we love being inspired. And there's a lot of great stuff out there. But 
inspiration alone isn't enough. Inspiration without application is just a New Year's resolution. So I've been asking them. Okay, you want me to watch this? What have you changed because of it? There are some things I have listened to that have absolutely changed my life. I read a book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And one of the things that's mentioned, it's a great book, by the way, but one of the things that's mentioned is what they call the daily office. And what the daily office is, is a time that our founding fathers, the people who led us in spirituality in years past, where they would take three to five times a day, and they would take as little as three to five or ten minutes and just focus on God and step back from all the do and just remember God is in charge. It's a beautiful thing. It has changed my life to just step back and realize the Lord can run this thing without me. To step back from the crazy multitask idea. We're going... Listen, we have to take energy drinks to keep up with our own self-imposed pace. And if you're not on energy drinks, you're drinking coffee with four shots in it. You're legally addicted. Listen, let me, let me, I'm going to challenge you here. If you need two cups of coffee to be worth talking to, you're an addict. That goes over everywhere like that. (laughs) What I love about the daily office is unplugging for just a few minutes to realize God doesn't need me. He chooses to use me, but he doesn't need me. I'm not that big a deal. We are not that awesome. If you really think you're that big of a deal, stick your finger in the cup of water and pull it out and see how long the hole lasts. We're just, yes, we're, God chooses to use us and we can be inspired. But if that inspiration doesn't lead to transformation, then we are missing out on something God has for us. The power of this word is that it has the power to transform on its own. It can change your life. It's why governments from the history of the Bible have been trying to get rid of it. When people speak, when ministers come, when Steve gets up here on a Sunday, he's not just giving a lecture. He is not just up here to feed an ego. He is trying to see people's lives transformed by the power of God. But what I see in the body of Christ is alarming to me. What I see is we have a consumer Christianity where people pick and choose what they want out of the message instead of being transformed by its ability to challenge you at the heart of things. I'm I'm not here to make you happy. You want to be happy, get a puppy dog. You want to see your life transformed. Yeah, not a cat, a puppy dog. That's a whole other story. If you want to be transformed, then it's not enough to be inspired. It's not enough to feel good about the message. It's not enough to have goosebumps. 
Listening to Juliet's testimony touched my heart because that's what God does. That's what God does. God doesn't want to give you goosebumps. He wants to change your life. He wants to step into your family and make it different. He wants to show you how to submit one to another. He wants to show you how to raise those kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He wants to make you different, separate from the world, that you don't have to wear T-shirts to let people know you're saved. Listen, if you got to wear a T-shirt and a flashing hat, saved, saved, saved. I, I question your Christianity. We shouldn't have to have a T-shirt for people to know we're saved. They ought to be around us for just a few minutes and know there's something different about you. So I ask you again. You've had a lot of great messages. What has changed? I'm part of a group of individuals that are seeing lives transformed, but we used to be in in meetings where all kinds of great ideas came up. I mean, man, they were pinging off one another. Man, that'd be great. Yeah, we could do this, and yeah, we could do that. And it would be a great meeting, and nothing happened. We walked away from the meeting. Nobody took ownership. Nobody took notes. Nobody knew who was in charge. All those great ideas up in the air just went into oblivion. And then we started getting leadership training on how to have a good meeting. And one of the ways to have a great meeting is to have action steps. What are you going to do with what you've been told? What are, you, what are you saying yes to? Who's going to do that? Who's going to say, I'll own that? Who's going to say, I will do that in that particular next step? And man, we started seeing things change overnight almost. Because it's not enough to be inspired with great thoughts. You have to do something. Okay. Let's see, it was all great when we were talking about other people. But God wants to change us. The cost of growth is change. And I talk to people all the time who lie. I love growing. I love being challenged. I don't. I don't. I don't like being challenged. I might fail. I don't want to fail. I don't like growing because growing is almost always painful. You know, when the Lord shows you you've been believing something for 25 years, then you find out you're wrong, that's painful. I don't want to just inspire. I want the body of Christ to be transformed to make a difference in the community. I don't want to rock the boat, beloved. I want to shoot a stinking hole in it so that all you can do is cry out to Jesus and watch him rescue you. Because it's one thing to know it etherically. It's It's another thing to experience transformation. I was an alcoholic and a drug addict. I know what it is for God to change a human life. I know what it's like for people to say, he'll never make it. And here I am. Do you know why I'm here? You know why I'm here right now? 
It is not because I sin less than you. <laughs> Some of you are there going, what? <laughs> I probably don't sin as much as you. That's not why I'm here. <laughs> I'm here because I said yes to Jesus. Some of you are old enough to remember Mr. Cotter and Horshack. Mr. Cotter, Mr. Cotter. I said yes to Jesus. I just said yes. And I was willing to do. See, I was raised in a home. I don't want to throw my parents under the bus, but they didn't know Jesus. I didn't know anything about religion when I got, when I got saved. And that was actually a benefit. I didn't have a whole bunch of stuff to overcome. I didn't have a whole bunch of religion to overcome. Man, I was lost and I knew it. And I stepped outside of my door and I said, God, there's got to be something more to life than this because I'm doing everything the world says I should be doing to have fun and I'm miserable. Everything the world says I should be doing to be living it up and I was dead on the inside. Nothing satisfied. And God changed my life. Where I was like two weeks, I didn't shoot anything, didn't smoke anything, didn't drink anything. I didn't even realize I didn't need it. That's how supernaturally I was changed. I went to work, and all my friends were like roaches when you turn the lights on. They just disappeared. I didn't have to run anybody off. They were gone. The change was so radical. And I wouldn't recommend this. I got born again on one Sunday, spirit-filled the following Sunday. Four months later, our church split right down the middle, and I end up with like 25 people in my home. And they're looking to me. I'm four months old in God. How much do you think I knew? I still thought the book of Job was a book of job. And that God was interested in us having a job. That's what I thought. I was so ignorant. I thought, well, I read that verse that says there were diver's temptations. And I'm thinking, thank God I'm not a diver. I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> well, you think I'm kidding, but I'm like, I'm serious. I don't have any verbiage for what was. I just read it. And here I am. And people are getting saved. And people are getting healed. And marriages are getting put back together. And young people are getting delivered from drugs. Yeah. You know, it's because I just said Yes. And I became a doer. I didn't know I was supposed to go to seminary. I mean, cemetery. I mean, I, I didn't know. I didn't know church politics. I didn't know any of that. Listen, when that church split right down the middle, they had an elders meeting. And they invited me to it. I have no idea. I'm four months old. I have no business going to an elders meeting. And they were fisticuffs, hollering, juggler veins sticking out about... This guy needs to be the pastor. No, this guy needs to be the pastor. And just for an hour and a half, it just seemed like three days, they were just, ah. And then somebody made the mistake of asking me what I thought. I will tell you right now, do not ask me what I think if you don't want to hear. So they asked me, what do you think? I said, I don't know. I don't, I don't get any of this. I thought we were supposed to love one another. You could have heard a pin drop. I sucker punched everybody in that room and didn't even know it. 
And I guess that's what, I don't know. The Lord just knows what he's doing. I wouldn't recommend being pastoring people in four months as a Christian, but it taught me how to trust God. And to be a, a doer of the word and not just to hear only. I didn't know I was supposed to go get training. I didn't know I was supposed to go to some school. I didn't know I needed somebody to get between me and God. I didn't know. So I just trusted God and read his word, did what it said. There was a famous guy at the time said, read the red and pray for the power. Sounded good to me, so that's what I did. There's this aspect of our Christianity we have to get back to, and that's that we need to stop being inspired, and we need to start looking at how do we get transformed. How do we become more like Jesus? And I'm going to show you. Because it's not complex, it's just hard. That's why most people don't want to do it. You know, we live in a day and age where we want to eat four Big Macs and two giant fries and a great big Diet Dr. Pepper and take a little blue pill and lose weight. Oh, that's what I thought. That also goes everywhere I go. It doesn't work like that. Thank you. We want to take a pill and look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. We want to, now, we, now they got pills, they're, they're brain power. We're going to... Take this pill and suddenly we're going to be smart. Well, after you buy about the second bottle and nothing happens, you do get smart. You stop buying the pills. (laughs) The scripture is so clear about being doers. Paul said this in Philippians 4.9. Whatever you have learned from me, whatever you've received from me, whatever you've heard me say... Whatever you've seen in me, do it. Put it into practice. Says James 1 says, don't be hearers of the word, but be ye doers of the word, not just hearers only. He said, if you're hearers only, you just deceive yourself. You're not deceiving anyone else. You're just deceiving yourself. And I'm looking at the church. We've got more messages at our fingertips than any generation before us. And yet we don't have near as much transformation. But it's because we're wanting somebody else to do the work that we need to do. Do you know, I can work out all day long and it won't help you one bit. I can read all day long, but you won't learn a thing. Can I tell you, if I listen to you today and you just begin to tell me all that you know. I mean, every piece of wisdom you know. I would listen to you, and let's just say you could talk 24-7. I could listen to you for two weeks, three weeks, and finally you'd be done. That's all I know. And you know, in that time, you wouldn't have grown one bit. Because you already know what you know. If you're going to grow, you have to hear from somebody else. I would learn a lot. I would, like, that's awesome. Say that again. Would you, right? that, something, that belongs on a t-shirt. Somebody ought to write a song. I mean, we just have all kinds of fun. And I would grow. But you wouldn't grow because you already know what you know. We can't, we can't give our maturity to somebody else. We have to change. We have to be doers and not hearers only. So I, I want to encourage you to think about all the great things that were said. Some of you took notes. 
Some of you are like, hey, that's good. But if nothing changed, it was little more than a New Year's resolution that inspired you. So I don't know how much time i got left. What I've learned is going longer doesn't make it better. It just makes it longer. (laughs) So what I want to do in the closing aspect of this is I want to show you how to actually change. And it's really simplistic. It's hard to do, but it's simple. So I just want to give you some keys to actually implementing what you hear so that it doesn't just Fall on deaf ears. So it doesn't just give you goosebumps, but it actually brings what God intended for it to bring, transformation. Number one, ask the Lord what needs to change. Now here's what I want to do. This is going to be a little awkward for some of you because God forbid that we would actually pray in church. (laughs) But I want to take just 20 seconds. I want you to close your eyes. Because I know God, he's going to talk to you. He's going to say, he's going to share with you. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God to show us what we need to change. And if you'll just wait for just a second, I promise you, he will show you. Are you ready? Let's close our eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit wants to lead and guide us into all truth. You are always speaking. We are just seldom slowed down enough to listen well. So, Father, we're going to take just a few seconds here. And I ask you, Father, by your Holy Spirit, to just speak to us what you want changed in our life. Thank you, Lord. I know that God desires... For us to look like Jesus to our world. And whatever he said to you. It might have been a flashing thought. It might have been a picture. It might have been something he's been talking to you for two weeks. But what I have found about the people of God. Is we can actually hear God if we slow down. We are going so fast. What happens is it ends up being a drive-by speaking. Like a drive-by shooting. (laughs) If we'll slow down. The Lord will speak to us. So number one. We need to ask the Lord what needs to change. Number two, we need to ask the Lord to help us change. Do You know, if you could change yourself, you wouldn't need a Savior. If you could do this on your own, you wouldn't need God's help. But if you have any Christianity at all, any, any walk with God at all, you've come to the realization you can't forgive on your own. You can't love unconditionally on your own. You can't do anything that God asked you to do on your own. So we ask God to help us. Now this is a big one, and this ought to speak to our generations coming up for sure. Write it down. Habakkuk 2.2. Write the vision down. Make it plain so that you can run with it. Can I, I'm going to be very, very vulnerable to you all this morning. I'm not a very romantic man. Most men are not. But my wife thinks I'm romantic because she gets flowers all the time. And here's the thing. When I buy her flowers, it's terrible. This is how bad we are as men about this. When I buy flowers, the server always asks me, is it your anniversary or are you in the doghouse? 
Because that's the only time men buy flowers. And I, like, I have to retrain them. I say, no, no. I just love my wife. And I get the same response all the time. Oh. <laughs> Listen, I don't like to buy flowers. I'm a guy. Flowers are a waste of money. When I buy flowers, I think to myself, there's a box of shells out the window. When I buy flowers, I think to myself, there's a fishing lure I'm not going to be able to get. And I get these flowers, and they put them in this thing, and I take them. I know they're going to last four days. Five if they're really good. And I bring them home, and I give them to my wife, and she does the same thing every time. It's the coolest thing. I'm like, what a waste of time. What a waste of money. I give them to her, and she gets this. She gets this big old smile like she won the lottery. And then she takes those things and cuts off the ends and then sticks this aspirin-looking thing in the water. I guess it gives them a headache. And she puts them in the water. And then she sets them out there on the table where anybody who comes to my house can see she got flowers. And when she gets those flowers, I think, oh, yeah, I'm the man. Who said that? Um, you check's in the mail. He, he, here's what I know. If I want to do it, I put it in my phone. We all have a calendar of things to do today. That's how things get done. We look at our calendar and it beeps at us and says, you got this meeting coming up. And it tells us where we need to be and what we need to do. And so because I know I'm not going to think about, I don't think about flowers, women. I don't get up in the morning and go, boy, I can sure you some flowers, man. I guess I'll get some for Ginger. She bought me a bouquet one time. It was the best bouquet on the planet. It was six arrows for my bow in a vase. I'm like, oh, yes, that woman loves me. I put down in my phone, I write it down. The Lord showed me years back. The things that he's wanting to do in my life, like the daily office, it's in my phone. Now it's no longer there because I do it like habit now, like eating or anything else. But for a while it was in my phone because I know if it's in my phone, I will do it. You want to change? Put it in your phone. You want to change? Write it on your refrigerator. You want to change? Write it on your mirror. Put it in your car. Because when you see it, It does something for you. Your mind tries to make it happen. Write the vision. My people perish for lack of vision. When you have a vision, your mind starts trying to make it happen. So write it down. Whatever it is the Lord said to you, write it down. Put it in your phone so that you see it every day. And it will start becoming a part of who you are. Something else if you want to really, really change. Tell somebody what the Lord told you. Get an accountability partner. I would encourage you to make it your spouse. Lots of things happen when your spouse is your accountability person. First off, humility. Yeah, thank you for your thunderous applause. Let your spouse know what you're going to change. Because she's with you, he's with you more than anybody. And now listen, spouses, if they tell you, please be gracious. 
You are not the Gestapo. Okay, you're their encouraging spouse. But letting other people know is a great way to follow through because you're going to be asked, how are you doing with that? One of the things that I do whenever I have the Lord really speaking to me about something I need to change is I will tell the staff that I'm surrounded with. Because what that does is it reminds me somebody else knows what the Lord's dealing with me on and I better start doing what I'm saying. And they love me enough that they'll call me on it if I drop the ball. Yeah, see, that goes over real well. Transformation is not hard as far as, like, it's hard because our flesh. Your spirit is willing. Your spirit wants to do what God wants it to do. It's your flesh that you fight against. So that's why it's hard, because we are selfish. And then lastly, this is the fun one. Y'all will love me for this. Keep doing it. Most of our change is just like a New Year's resolution. We do it for three weeks and then we start putting clothes on it. It becomes a catch-all. It's no longer a running machine. It's just where we throw clothes. It's God's desire that you and I would have such an impact in our community that people would be drawn to us. And the only way to do that is for Jesus to be so alive in you that you are different. I don't know what it is about this generation, but we keep wanting to fit in. We keep wanting to to look like and act like and talk like when God made us to stand out. You should look different. You should sound different. You should act different. When you go through trials, you shouldn't whine and murmur and complain like the world. You know what happens to broken vessels that have the light on the inside? The light shines forth. That's what happens. Hmm. Okay. What I would encourage you is to love Pastor Steve when he gets back. And say, listen, that guy was challenging. God didn't bring me here to talk to empty chairs. He brought me here to talk to you and to encourage you that he's wanting transformation, not just inspiration, not just information, transformation. So I want to start us off the way I closed us down with prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I will not take long. If the Lord spoke to you in the quiet time, and shared with you whatever it was that He wanted you to change, first off, I would like to ask if you heard the Lord, would you just lift up your hand so that I'll know who who heard the voice of God say, "This is what I want you to change." Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, for those who didn't raise their hand, I pray, Father God, that in their quiet time, they would slow down enough to hear your voice say, this is the Lord. This is the way. Walk ye in it.
that they would hear what you want them to change. And Lord, that they would rest in the fact that they can't do it on their own. I can't do it on my own. We need a Savior. We need a Holy Spirit. We need grace to do what we can't do in our own strength. And so for everyone who raised their hand saying, I heard the voice of the Lord say, this is what I want you to change. I ask you, Father God, for them to rest in your ability to do that in it and with them and through them. That all they have to do is be willing to write it down so that they can see it and be reminded that the Holy Spirit will speak to them on a daily basis. And that, Lord, when they hear a message, what they're looking for is, what are you saying to me, Father? What are you wanting in my life to change because of this message? So that we don't just get inspired, but we get transformed. Father, I thank you for everyone who took the time to be here today. I don't believe anybody's here by accident. And Lord, I'm encouraged that they would come because there's a whole generation that no longer comes. They don't even see their need. They just sit at home. They don't have to tithe. They don't have to dress up. They don't have to deal with people. They just stay at home and get goosebumps. I thank you for people who took the time to come. I thank you, Lord God, that you have a blessing in store for them because they took the time to come. I pray, Father God, I pray for every need that is manifest here today, Father God, that you are the great supplier. That every need they have, you supply. So, Father, I just thank you for the Holy Spirit speaking loudly, clearly, and giving them grace to do what they want to be and do, be like Jesus. Father, I thank you for it, and I praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.